Can we turn it down? Can we turn it down a little bit? Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Do you guys like new beginnings? <laughs> I know I do. Well, it is an honor to be able to talk tonight because what I'm going to share about is actually I'm going to share a testimony. But there's something in it for every one of you, so keep your ears open and you'll be able to catch what the Lord has for you in it. The testimony I'm going to share about uh, started about a year ago. A year ago today, um, I was in the hospital with my dad. But it was on December 10th that I got a phone call that changed my life forever. Um, I was in Goodwill when I got a call that my dad was dying. And, of course, it was like every movie you've ever seen where you don't know what to do. You're in a place of panic. Um, but just the sheer shock of it. My dad's not a Christian yet. So weighing in, amen, whoever said that, that was weighing heavily at that moment. The reality, you those things you think, the, the times did I, could have shared more, could have said more. But knowing, too, that there was a peace in it. But very much a time of um, tears in that, in that. A couple days later, we got a second call. We knew that he was sick, that he was dying. We didn't know how bad, but we knew we needed to wait because um, there was a chance for actually potential for suicide. At that point, um, it was actually the person he rented a room from was the person who called us. Um, to give you a little backstory about my dad, I love, love, love and honor my dad. Love him. He's a hurting and broken person. He ended up, um, he was an alcoholic and a high-functioning alcoholic. He always was um, always at work early, never would never would drink and drive, um, so very high-functioning people wouldn't know it. We knew it, but many w- wouldn't have known that about him. Those choices caught up to him over the course of years. Something we found out in the process when we found out that he was dying was that my dad has severe back problems, and what happened was he was trying to avoid pain pills, and so he switched to higher and greater amounts of alcohol, which is what brought his body into that descent. So ended up um, being able to fly to Nevada where he lives uh, with my twin sister. Those of you don't know, I have a twin. I have an identical twin sister. She's not here, so don't look around. Um, she lives in Wisconsin. And got there, were able to intercept him um, and his choice at that point not to go to the hospital. We were able to talk to him. He was very, very much um, delusional because what had happened was his body, we found out, was liver, uh, was in an end-stage failure. His kidneys were an end-stage failure, and he had a massive gallbladder infection. And so with that, his body was so full of toxins, he had gained about 50 to 60 pounds of weight um, just because of what had been contained in him. Uh, when we walked in the room and saw him, it was, it was literally staring at death. Um, I don't know if some of you were here last year when the Christmas party was going on. The second phone call that, my, that I got that my dad was... Not only dying, but probably wouldn't make it through the night, if not the next day. I got it when I was standing upstairs in the family room right before the Christmas party. And many of you prayed that night, and I thank you. Um, I remember getting many text messages during that time saying, we're lifting you up, sister, praying for you. It meant the world. And so we got my dad to the, um, to the hospital, called 911, and he was willing to go. They uh, slowly checked him in but told us that this was the end after all the tests revealed what I shared with you about the, the place that he was at. They told us to prepare ourselves um, and just put him into a critical condition state. My twin sister was there with me the, for the first week. We spent a lot of time in prayer. Um, and in that first week, 
what ended up happening is there was something that we realized started, something wasn't right, other than the fact that my dad was dying. Something was not right with some of the care that he was receiving there. And the Holy Spirit started to whisper, telling us, revealing that. I don't know medical things, okay? I'm not a medical person. It didn't come from me. It came from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, revealing that something was not right about this hospital and the care that he was receiving. Long story short, they were giving him a lot of things that were really bad for a liver patient. They were giving him things to, like, make him stay asleep or wake him up at different times, and it was um, hurting his liver even further. And so the Holy Spirit revealed that and then challenged us to start looking on Google. Thank God for Google. And we began to look through and look up every one of the things that they were giving him. And with boldness, knowing that we were honoring the Lord in this, began to ask him to stop giving him different things. My dad's body continued to go downhill. Um, they you know, gave it a short amount of time. And then my twin sister left, and I was there just with him. I lived in the hospital, thank God for comfortable, somewhat comfortable chairs, and ended up, um, they put him into the ICU. He had been in critical condition, but put him in ICU and on life support. When he was on life support, they began to say, you know, of course, this was the end, but they, that, that it was time to pull the plug. But once again, God spoke, and he said, this is not the end. And you know what? He spoke. I listened, and I was willing to obey so I didn't, didn't pull the plug. Um, they told me I was selfish. They told me that I was no longer, well, we had one doctor walk in and say that we we're no longer delaying his life. We are delaying his death by not doing this. And um, I was shocked because she had come in the room and just like dropped that bomb. My dad, we hadn't said to our dad yet that he was dying. We told him he was really, really sick. We hadn't told him that it was the end. And that was under the counsel really of the Holy Spirit because there was a sense that if he knew that, they, that he may give up. Again, my dad was really confused, but there were points at which he would come, you know, in and out just a little bit. So ended up um, continuing to, like, reject what the doctors were saying, not in a disrespectful way, but just in a way to honor the Lord. And so when the doctor had come in and said, you're no longer delaying his life, you're delaying his death, I'm like, could we go out in the hallway? Like, where's your bedside manner, you know? And um, and she's like, oh, he's he's in a coma. And I said, no, he's not. The Nakoras were a bunch of night owls. He was really probably was sleeping because it was during the day. Um, he would talk more at night. And I, I would tell the nurses, like, yeah, we were talking last night. Yeah, they thought, oh, okay. You know, really, my dad would be talking to me um, because most of them were only observing him in a coma-type state, but he was a little bit more alert at night. And so when that doctor had said that, I looked over, um, and my dad was um, crying. And my dad's not a crier. He's a tough guy. He was a military man. Um took his Corvette on Route 66 during all those years. Like, that's the kind of guy he is. And anyway, um, very much had a sense that God's presence was so there, leading and guiding and protecting myself and my family in the journey. Ended up, um, his body began to take a turn for the better. Even though he was on life support, things started to change just a little bit. During the course of the journey, we knew that my dad's only chance for survival would be a potential liver transplant. They usually don't do liver transplants for someone who has had this um, brought on themselves through alcohol, which I totally understand and respect. There is a hospital, however, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yay, Wisconsin. Praise God for Wisconsin. I grew up there. Um, Anyway, there's a hospital there that gives people chances. And we knew that it was not a matter if, but a matter of when we would take my dad to the hospital in Wisconsin. So early on in the process, started to tell the doctors that. They told me I was crazy. Um, Perhaps I am, because... I trust the voice of the Lord. And so it was a matter of getting him to 
Wisconsin and began to go through the process of finding out what it would take to get him out from the insurance standpoint and all of that. And they um, very much were against it, of course. Once it, there was a time frame, there was a window at which the Lord spoke and said that this next Wednesday, which would have been mid-January of this past of this year, this past year, and that that was the day. And my dad had made some improvements. And one of the improvements along the way that happened meant about several weeks before he we ended up getting him out of the hospital was that he stood up. And I remember after him coming off of life support, him standing up was such a delight. Like I remember texting my family, like, Dad stood. He stood. And it was so such an outstanding thing because when someone's been at death's door and you're watching that, it was like that little glimpse of hope, that little glimpse of something, that change was taking place. Um, I'm so thankful along the way that I was able to witness the journey and not just know at the time what was going to take place, but that I was there in the moment experiencing the journey and receiving it. So that Wednesday came where it was time to take him out of the hospital. My dad was um, pretty much a vegetable on the bed at this point and um, were able to get him out. Again, it wasn't like a secret covert mission. It was well planned out, but God had said it was going to be this day. That day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, got two tickets, used his credit card out of his wallet. He was totally out of it, didn't know. Um, Bought these tickets and were able to get him uh, know we were going to leave that night. So the nurse helped me get my dad ready to leave this hospital. We had checked him out. And, or my mom. My mom and dad are legally still married. And so my mom was able to verbally give consent to take my dad out against medical advice. So that's how we were able to do that. And um, got him checked out. Well, what happened is he had been getting his um, whole body was getting flushed from all the toxins that were in him through diarrhea. Well, that happened, and it was, like, all over his pants. And so here I am. You know, he's just gotten checked out of the hospital. He's got this. I thought, okay, I've got an extra pair of pants. I'll change them when we get to the hospital. And um, the nurse, you know, was helping. We're rolling my dad down the the um, hallway. Thank you. Hallway. And she's like, so what are you going to do if, if they don't let him on the plane? I'm like, I don't know. Because God's saying that we're going to make it and get there. So I, I don't know. But I really, I, there is no plan B. Sometimes we just need to eliminate plan B. Amen. Right? So that we know what we're following. When, he, when the Lord is saying, get him, you know, to Milwaukee, just trust me. I'm foolish enough to believe that. So, um, got him downstairs. Roger, who was the cafeteria worker that I had gotten to know, he was a grandpa there. Again, I lived in the hospital for that month, so he was my only contact at that point. He had a big van. We got my dad in the van, um, through the help of multiple people, and Roger drives us off to the airport. We get there, I go inside, and I'm at the desk, and I go in to get the wheelchair. And they end up saying, like, my dad needs to come in. I'm like, well, he can't because we need a wheelchair. And, well, he needs to come in. I'm like, well, but he can't. He'd probably love to, but we need a wheelchair to get him in. Like, I'm not going to go into too many details. He's like a vegetable in the car. Um, and so finally she asked me for my the printout of the ticket. And the Holy Spirit had told me while I was in the Roger's van to also bring in both of our licenses right away. And so I handed her the licenses as well as the printout. Next thing I know, she ends up giving us the boarding passes, which post 9-11, not good. And so that was the first miracle at that point. Well, there's already multiple miracles, but that was such a miracle that uh, she did that because her personality was so tough and it just shifted. So I'm like receiving this blessing. So I go out and get my dad. They send a wheelchair to him and they said he didn't need to come back in. 
um, end up going upstairs and going through security. Now, again, remember, my dad has poop on his pants, okay? So I'm fully aware of this, just waiting for someone to see this. Um, he still looks like death. He's literally, he, he was in the ICU the next stage. So there's like the critical care ICU, um, the life support, and then like the next stage. He was only in that next stage. He had not graduated fully at this point yet. So I had put fake glasses on him to like divert the attention from his eyes because he had like the bright yellow eyes. Um, and he's just like locked over in this chair. Security's going through all the details. I mean, they're checking every part of his, um, the wheelchair. And I'm like, how are they not noticing this? Well, um, in addition to the poop on his pants, remember my dad had that um, gallbladder surgery. My dad now, which with the bag that I had like tucked into his pants, I was like hiding pick lines. I had him in layers so I could like, no one could see that he's got things like hanging out of his arms. This bag of infected bile is now leaking down his pants. I'm like, oh my goodness. So end up the security guard, blind eyes, didn't see that. Um, I'm waiting for the tram. Um, waiting for the tram and I'm like taping up the bag, you know, people are staring, I'm sure, because I had to like lift up his shirt and pants to be able to pull this disgusting bag out and tape it up. And so anyway, we get on the, get on the plane and the stewardess is being, of course, very helpful because that's her job. And it's not like I can say to her, oh, it's just infected bile, you know, like you just have to be (laughs) conscious. So end up um, getting him in. I put a blanket down. And, you know, slid him across, and when the plane took off, it was such a relief um, in so many ways. What I was told by doctors and nurses there that my dad would not leave that hospital. Um, so that was already, well, check. That's done. He's, he's gone. He's out of there and on his way to Milwaukee when we landed in Milwaukee. And the reason why I told you all that about the airplane is that so that you never lick seat 14A in any plane, <laughs> any plane ever. Um, my dad, we land, and my sister's there to greet us, and when we left, I didn't say this the other day when I shared this testimony, we actually went, took my dad to Starbucks, because you know what, if I was about to go back in the hospital, that is exactly where I would want to go, is through Starbucks. He didn't get anything, we just gave him water, but we still took him for a little drive, brought him into the hospital, and the difference of this hospital, which is something that really stood out in my mind, is the way they validated his life. It was the way they treated him. See, this hospital in Nevada had written him off. The nurse told me that if I hadn't been there, if I hadn't been his advocate, they would have let him go. They wouldn't have even checked him in. He would have been sent home because it was so bad. But changes were happening. Um, So we got him into Milwaukee, and it was just like a scene out of a movie where they just surrounded him. They validated his life by sending in the doctors, sending in the nurses, They put him back in the ICU there, and it was just such a sense of being able to step back for the first time in a month and just know that he was in good hands. So they brought in a team to assess if he'd be um, able to get a liver transplant. He was in the ICU, and then his body began to change pretty quickly, and he got to the point where he was not able to receive a liver transplant because his liver was getting better. He was on dialysis at that point. Ten days within, within being in that hospital um, in Milwaukee, um, which, side note, my dad had already packed his stuff to come back to Wisconsin. He had been out west for about eight years. He was already on his way back. The reason why he hadn't gone to the hospital in Nevada is because he was waiting till he felt better to go to the hospital. When we left, we had a judgment in us. We thought he was just being stubborn. It wasn't. He didn't know the condition, but that's where Mercy stepped in in that. And so um, he ended up going to a rehab facility for being able to walk again. Um, he is now walking, living on his own, doing amazing, sober for over a year. His liver, praise God, his liver, after many tests, 
they saw that his liver went back to like a 100% normal, which is unheard of. The doctor came in with tears in his eyes and said, this is remarkable. This doesn't happen. Do we not serve the God of the impossible? Amen. Amen. The other thing that happened is he was dependent on, um, he was dependent on dialysis for his kidneys. They said that he would be dependent on that for the rest of his life because his kidneys would get worse once he was in that cycle, not better. However, however, God stepped in again, and once his liver was great, his kidneys um, went back to normal, and they said, we, we, like, we can't justify dialysis. And that doctor, a Muslim doctor, said, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. And we've been able to tell my dad like over and over again, like, this is a miracle. He has received so much through this. When he was in the hospital, especially in Nevada, I would anoint him and just pray over him, and like, he was out of it. And so I'd put Christian music on and, and just listen to the Holy Spirit, however it was to be led. And so... In that, in sharing, um, I did get to go back to Nevada to get his car, and I got to go and testify at the hospital. When they asked how my dad was doing, I was able to say that this man that they had written off for dead was now living on his own, driving, doing great. And um, to praise God, I said there were hundreds and hundreds of people praying for him. Um, how this can relate to you, because I know it's always awesome to share testimony, but what's in it for you guys? Well, I can share some of what was in it for me was, again, it was the journey. It was a journey of stepping through each part of it. I am so glad that God didn't tell me what the end was going to look like when I was in it because I would have missed out on what he had in the midst of the journey. I am so thankful that he only revealed a piece at a time because I got to walk it out. I got to live it. There was a cost in obedience. There was a cost to go there. There often is a cost to obedience. I did have to step out in courage. I did have to be brave. I did have to listen to the voice of the Lord and obey because the fear of the Lord was on me in this because I knew what he was saying. God speaks to us. God moves in us. Woe to you if you don't obey. Listen to the Lord. He knows how to lead you. John, um, we love this verse. John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and, and, and they follow me. Amen. Are you following God's voice? Are you listening? Are you in a circumstance right now where you need God to break through and show you and teach you? Listen to his voice and follow it. Yeah, that's Eli. Eli right there. Thanks, Eli. Amen. Um, another thing was just the mercy of it. I saw the mercy of God step in. My dad, you know what? He did it to himself. He really did. But mercy stepped in. My dad wasn't the one praying for a miracle. We were praying, and mercy stepped in. The other thing that was key for me in the midst of this journey was the friendship. The friendship of getting text messages. I'm looking around the room at different people that sent me text messages during that time and how much it meant when you're sitting in a room day after day and just, hey, I'm thinking of you, praying for you. When your friends are walking through hard times, grab that opportunity to walk with them. Grab it. Hold it. Pray for them. When someone says, would you please pray? Do so. I bless those of you who did, who, who put out the support for all of my family. Um, so I wanted to touch on that, that there is courage needed to step out when you hear the voice of the Lord. Do it scared. Step out. 
obey. That mercy is there for us no matter what the circumstances. Again, the journey, embrace it. Embrace it. It's okay if God doesn't give the next ten steps. If he just gives one, embrace where you're at. Give glory to God where you're at. Know that he's doing something. Just stay stay humble and before him. If he says move, you move. If he says stop, you stop. But stay in obedience. And again, with friendship, reach out to your friends when they're going through hard times. If you don't know if your friend's going through a hard time, ask them. Ask them what's going on. The major things you're going to find out about, but stay in support of your friends and count the cost. There is a price to obedience. But do it. Do it. So I just want to bless you guys. Thank you for listening with this. It has been such um, a full circle to get to this point from a year ago. I'm so thankful it happened. So thankful. Um, One other update with my dad is that he is considering going to church. So that's a big thing. He told me just a couple weeks ago that he is open, open to having someone talk to him about Jesus and answer his questions, which was big. He had once before rejected that. He now is open to someone coming and talking to him. Um, and the other thing is, I asked him to pray for me for a situation I'm in. And for the first time, he called me and said, praying for you. I had never heard those words from my dad's mouth. And uh, he told me again at a different time that he was praying for me and he even stopped at the chapel in his building and prayed for me. So we're seeing that. And you know what? I'm glad that it's happening in stages because, again, I get to delight in that journey uh, with it, with my dad. Um, the other final thing with it is there's been a restoration taking place in my family. Uh, my family is no longer just getting together on holidays as far as, like, my immediate family. There's barbecues springing up. There's things happening. My brother and my dad are back at a place of um, they, they've always kind of talked, but they've been a little bit at war. There isn't the war anymore. There's like a, a unity starting. Um, it's been so cool to see the blessing poured out over my family. My twin sister got married this year. My younger sister ended up with this great job at a mega church, just a part-time thing. My brother is now in a, a business partnership that's probably going to um, lead him into being a multimillionaire. It's just really cool to see the favor and the blessing that has been poured out and restored. So don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop looking to Jesus. If you find that maybe he's been unfaithful, he is faithful. Um, I'll pray, and then I know Craig's going to come up here too. So, Lord, I bless, bless these men and women here. And the little baby Eli. (laughs) We bless them, Lord, and say, may they hear your voice and listen. May boldness and courage rise up in them. May they trust you when you're speaking. May they respond. Lord, for anyone that is unsaved in their family, may they hold out faith to you and look to you to lead them and guide them in the midst of the process. Lord, I bless the doctors and the nurses in this process. God, I pray that salvation comes from this, and thank you for what it did in my family. Thank you for bringing restoration. Thank you for what is all taking place. May each person's faith be encouraged here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's thank Kat. It's a wonderful testimony.
Before a testimony is a what? Test. That was a horrendous test. But faith took that test right through. So now we hear the testimony. Some of you are in the midst of a test. God would like to convert that. For her it took how long how long was the period before the test became a testimony? Cat, was it a month? A month or so before the uh, or two months before the test became a testimony? We are all, we are we are all in something, but I want to I want you to raise your hand if you find yourself in a pretty severe, a pretty strong test. We want to pray for you that you will uh, press on in the Lord. You won't give up hope, and that you will put your trust in God. Raise your hand if you're in a pretty strong test right now. Put your hand on them. Put your hand on uh, those near you. If you see a hand go up. We want to believe for our brothers and sisters. We want to believe that God's going to take them through. God is faithful. I'm going to pray and then you pray for them. We have every right to trust you. Oh God. You've, you've proved yourself. You've proved yourself so faithful down through the years. We've seen it in our lives. We've seen it in families. We can trust you. It's not stupid. It's the wise thing to do to trust in you. The Bible says, Put not your trust in princes or in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. and his breath depart, he returns to your earth. Put your trust in the living God. And that's what we're doing tonight. That's what we invite you to do. Put your trust in a God who is utterly trustworthy. We bless you with a confidence birthed by faith deep in your heart where you say, yes, I know. And we're going to see, we're going to hear the testimony from you, from a God who is faithful. And remember that in suffering and hardship, when you go through it, you might not be as, I want to say, full of hope as Cat was. You might go through an even more difficult grieving time. But know that the Lord sees that. Know that the Lord sees your tears. Know that the Lord sees your heart more than anyone else does or ever could. And he will be alongside you. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be strong within their heart. Lord, we know that you are the intercessor. You have said, Jesus, that you intercede for us day and night. You stay up all night. We hear that. Yes, it sounds like it's unreal. Well, it's supernatural. <laughs> and we thank you, Father, that it's true. And you're the one that went through Grief like we can't believe. You're the one that understands. Lord, we thank you that you're in charge. Amen.
Go ahead and pray now that you are putting your hands on them. Pray for them. Speak faith, speak confidence into their situation.
can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. blood of Jesus oh, oh precious is the flow that makes me white and snow oh, what the bounds I know nothing but the blood Lift up your voice, lift up your voice to Him. Lift up your voice and sing to Him. Nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood. We praise You for the blood. We praise You for Your life. Come among us, Jesus. Come among us now, Jesus. Walk in our midst, Lord Jesus. Come, walk in our midst, Lord Jesus. Come and have your way. Holy Spirit, move among us now. Move among us now. Move among us now. Oh, just hold your hands out like you're receiving. Just receive. Let the Spirit settle on you. Be in a position of openness, receptivity. She spoke about hearing God's voice. You're going to hear God's voice. You're going to hear His voice. You're going to know it's Him. You're going to be confident in Him. Expect to hear it. Even tonight, expect to hear it. Hear it for someone else. You can speak to them. You can prophesy to them. Show it on. 